Welcome to Techno and Travel, the podcast of Tunes and Wings. My name is Sabine Schwedling and today I'll take you on a journey with an interview with Kasper Björke about Copenhagen and train travels. The DJ and producer from Copenhagen will release his new album Sprinkles end of July. He's in the scene since more than 20 years, so we are talking about Copenhagen, how the scene was back then when he started making music, um, what his favorite spots in the city are now, and very interesting, he has really a lot to say about his favorite spots, and secretly he's also having um, a list with travel tips for family and friends. We are also talking about train travels and sustainable traveling because he's trying to reach all his DJ gigs by train, which is really interesting. So have fun with this interview and enjoy. So let's start. So Casper, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time for this interview today. Um, I'm really excited talking to you. Of course, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> so to give the listeners a short introduction, you're a DJ, you're a producer, you're from Copenhagen, and you're mm -hmm. in the scene since more than 20 years. Um, so before we talk about your new album that's coming end of July, your travels, mm. um, also about Copenhagen and climate mm. activism, which I find a really interesting topic. Mm -hmm. Where are you right now? And how has your day been so far? Right now I'm in my house uh, or like our apartment where I also have my studio. We have this kind of... Um, a uh, fortunate uh, combination of uh, living and working environments where we have enough space that we both me and my girlfriend we have our studios in uh, the opposite uh, end of the apartment so we can actually be home both of us and not notice each other it's quite a big apartment so it's uh, it's nice and it has been especially nice during um, yeah during the pandemic to because of the lockdown that We were already used to being home and, and working from home, so we didn't really notice that much of a difference. I can imagine this is really a huge, huge benefit, right? <laughs> Especially yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, if you have kids and then you maybe want to split family life and work life to keep the balance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, luckily it's been quite smooth, and we've also been spending a lot of time in the family uh, summer house. Uh, during the pandemic by by the coast of Denmark, which has been super nice with a huge garden and yeah, the ocean right by and everything. So amazing. So as mm -hmm. you said, you call Copenhagen your home. Um, mm -hmm. I think you were not born there, but moved there very early. Um, mm -hmm. What was or what's the special thing about Copenhagen for you? Why do you choose this city as your home? Um, I think uh, when you're a teenager and you, I mean, I, I grew up in a countryside um, um, city with just like 50,000 people. So it was a natural move when I, when I moved away from home to, to move to Copenhagen to kind of just 
get into uh, yeah get into the life of a big city and so yeah I guess I've been here for the past what twenty five twenty six years uh, and for me it's like a a very nice uh, city because it feels like a capital but it also feels very small I mean it is like one point to one point three million people so it's it's quite um, how do you say cosmopolitan Mm-hmm. cosmopolitan ish but but still um yeah you can walk around you don't we bike a lot obviously we don't have a car um so you can get from one end to the other walking in maybe like 40 minutes or you can bike around within 20 minutes you can be across town so it's really like um yeah and then it has everything you need and it's green there's a lot of parks it's very kid friendly um that became a nice thing when when <laughs> I became a parent around six years ago, so it doesn't feel like you know New York, obviously, which which can be a bit of a hassle with kids. I know, mm. um, um, so yeah, it, and it has a great infrastructure for metro, and we have the harbor, so it's it's green, and then there's ocean right there, and a lot of nice places to eat, uh, a lot of yeah organic stuff, uh, vegetarian stuff to to get your hands on so that's nice that sounds like you just did an advertising campaign for your city <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's really and also, yeah and also there's a, a very nice music scene very nice um, culture scene in general a lot of beautiful museums um, so there's there's plenty to do and watch i've actually created like a list for my friends Uh, from abroad so because they always ask me like yeah even friends of friends ask for advice and tips for Copenhagen so I've been creating this pdf of um, restaurants and places to shop places to go and that's just been like evolving and growing over the past five six years so now it's okay it's now quite a substantial really list curious. what are your top three spots on this list Uh, within what kind of genre do you mean? Like whatever, uh, like really the favorite. It can be a park, it can be food spot, mm-hmm. it can be anything. All right. Well, uh, a park. I would say the Frederiksberg Gardens, which is uh, a beautiful garden that was, uh, yeah, it was created by one of the kings of Denmark back in the day as a place for him to leisure and uh, go hunting. I think. Uh, so it's right next to the zoo and you can actually, when you walk in the park, you, you uh, walk past um, a part of the zoo where the elephants are just mm-hmm. on the other side of the, of there's like a little piece of um, a small fence, but then there is more like a, a pond where the elephants, uh, they take a, a bath. So you can stand in the park and look at elephants. And then there's just a lot of, there's a beautiful castle there. And recently, uh, a restaurant opened up in there, which is very nice. Um, and for food, I mean, there is so much uh, happening on the Copenhagen food scene that it's really difficult to to pick one. But I would say the Mirabelle uh, Bakery on Nørrebro, which is um, uh, one of the, the inner city um, parts of, of Copenhagen. And um, Mirabelle... Uh, they're a bakery but they're also um, a restaurant and they also have a pizzeria next door called 
beast, which means beast. Um, but they they create everything themselves. So uh, and they get everything from a, a farm, which is around 30 minutes from Copenhagen, called Farm of Ideas. And the, so everything is organic, biodynamic. Uh, everything from vegetables to um, to whatever meat they serve. I don't eat that, but they they do serve um, some meat. Uh, everything is from the farm. So local and brilliant bread. Uh, they make the most amazing almond uh, croissants I've ever had in my life. Oh. And um, yeah, beautiful coffee, beautiful natural wines, and just a lovely place. So Mirabelle Bakery, that would be my, my pick. And I often go there for lunch or breakfast. Did you and, ever uh, think about writing a travel guide? Because you sound like the perfect guide. <laughs> you know well, yeah, yeah. About the spots, you search for the history. Yeah. It seems like you talk with people there. So that's really amazing. I love that. Yeah. I actually, I, I even, I think I registered the domain name for, it was called Casper Was Here. And then I would, I had made these little stickers with like a cartoonish face of myself. And then I would like put the stickers up where I was going and eating around the world even. And then, um, and then like kind of like my own little uh, Michelin guide, but not, <laughs> not, not at all that same level all the time. But, um, but yeah, uh, but it was, it was too much work and uh, I became too busy. And then I, I didn't renew the domain when it was time to, to renew it so but that was yeah before i had kids and after i had kids no time at all but yeah it is like something that i enjoy and i i haven't had as much time since i became a parent i must say to to go to um uh, all the restaurants that i would like but i i try to keep up with everything new here and uh, also because of um yeah the now the last one and a half years it's been difficult to go out anyway but i've still been like following what what has closed down and what is opening up and yeah uh, but the last place i should recommend one third one you said uh a museum maybe um well the obvious one uh, would be louisiana museum which is mm -hmm. around half an hour north of copenhagen you can go there by train from the central station in 30 minutes And it's like right on the on the ocean. You can look towards Sweden. Um, so it's a beautiful place. It has basically like a forest in the backyard and the ocean in the front yard. And uh, it's a contemporary art museum. Uh, I think right now they have an exhibition with Mama Anderson, one of Sweden's biggest female painters. She's absolutely amazing. And uh, they sh yeah they change all the time. Um, exhibitions there and it has a wonderful permanent collection as well and actually quite good food in their restaurant so yeah i can only recommend everybody that goes to to copenhagen to to take a day out and, and take that travel uh, to louisiana it really sounds like an interesting yeah spot to go to and to visit and mm -hmm. to dive into the culture um i think speaking of culture you're in the scene since 1999 right or 1998 yeah 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 so. i think that's when i started to make music on the on the very lo-fi and yes i would be interested in how the scene in copenhagen looked back then it was um There was a lot of cool stuff happening, actually. This was around the time when I actually made the move to Copenhagen. So um, it took me a while to actually 
find out where to go and and what to do in terms of nightclubs and um but there was like uh, for example vega which is one of the the main um, venues of copenhagen these days still uh they started doing um, for example respect is burning mm-hmm. as a theme uh, theme party so they brought in like uh, dimitri from paris and joe clausel and uh, masters at work and like both the french and the new york scene basically was was brought in uh, so i i was deeply fascinated by this uh, new york and french house sound of of that time uh, of the 90s and um, but there were like more techno parties going on as well in a place called mantra which was uh, actually inside Tivoli. It had like an an entrance from outside of Tivoli next to the central station, but then the building itself was a basement inside Tivoli. Uh, and that was a really cool club um, with a lot of, of the Danish at the time, big techno names, and they also had international guests. So it was uh, like a small but cool scene, I think. Um, and then it just... I think through Vega and those bigger parties they were able to do, then, then uh, the scene grew and, and more clubs came. And there were like these uh, very important uh, vinyl shops at the time called um, Street Dance Records and Loud, uh, where I would line up with all the other DJs or aspiring DJs at the time. Uh, every Tuesday, I think they got new records in, and then it was just about listening to every 12-inch uh, that was coming in and um, spending all my money on records, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so would you say it was a really, it was like togetherness there already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. And it was, it was small and it was everybody kind of knew who each other were. But we were so young at the time, or like young in the scene, that that we it was me and a, a friend of mine who is who is now in the band Who Made Who, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Barfoot, the drummer of Who Made Who. Um, so we were like both from this little city uh, outside of Copenhagen, and and we just had to like kind of find our own place. And we, what happened was that we we got a record deal quite quite early from some some of our first demos and um, and then uh, quickly we got signed on to a, a what you would call a major label um, and that opened up the doors to this more how do you say like a commercial way of marketing and promoting uh, underground music and uh, club music house music and we were kind of in the middle between commercial and underground in the sense that our productions were pretty underground, but then we added vocals, like inspired by this more uh, jazzy uh, um, disco vocal house from America. So we were also on the mainstream radio and we were able to tour a lot in Germany, a lot in uh, Japan. And and just, we had like a kind of a weird start in that sense that we started out quite commercially. And then we, after we, took a long break from our project and did our own stuff. Who made who did something, I would say more cool than what we were doing. And the same for me, when I started as a, a solo producer, I was also like, kind of like separating myself from that sound we had started in uh, because we were more interested in 
in what was going on in the underground, really. Uh, we were never really interested in becoming pop stars, you know, but um, somehow we got into that uh, thing for, for some years in the beginning. But since 2005, I would say we were on the, on the right path, on the path that we, we wanted to be. That sounds so amazing. Thank you so much for this time travel. That's really, really sure. Amazing. So if we take the timeline and go to the other side of your musical timeline, um, mm -hmm. it's your new album that's coming end of July. Um, there's yeah. um, Classy already out, the new single, and the fourth single is already on its way. Mm -hmm. um, I you already talked about the summer house of your family on at the sea, and I read that you produced some parts or maybe the whole album there. Um, mm -hmm. I would be interested in the creation process. So, how was it for you? How did the environment had an impact on it? In which moods were you when you were producing there? Um, yeah, I mean, I was actually, we were there a lot in the countryside uh, in that summer house because of the pandemic. And since, yeah, since March, was it, yeah, last year, uh, then we were, we were a lot there and I wasn't really feeling inspired at all to make music. I was more feeling inspired to just be with my family. And, uh, but as the months passed by uh, around Yeah, around the beginning of winter, last winter, so at the end of last year. Then uh, I started to really miss uh, going on tour. In the beginning, I was quite happy about not playing shows and not traveling. But then I was really starting to miss it. And then I started to listen a lot to, to some of the music that I missed. And normally, I would never listen to club-oriented music at home. I usually listen to ambient or jazz or classical or something. But because of the lack of touring and, and DJing, then I was kind of just feeling inspired to listen to club music. And that started my, like, the, the urge to make new music again. And I also felt that I wanted to do something which was inspired by where I was, but also um, a more positive Uh, vibe um, than a lot of the music that I felt that I had also been playing myself as a DJ in the years leading up to the pandemic. I've always always enjoyed playing like a lot of different styles and and mixing everything up. But I I felt like there was a tendency in club music at the time before the pandemic that it was getting quite dark and 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 um, moody. And I, I just felt inspired, I guess, by being in, in, in nature to do something more positive. So that was my like inspiration just to do a almost naive uh, and easygoing soundtrack to how I hope that uh, people will start to party again now that the world is opening up. So this was, this was the idea. And then, Uh, every day when my daughter was napping around uh, around noon, she she has a nap because she's still just two years old. So I would take the time when she was napping to uh, to make music, and that that was simply the only way that I could find time um, was when she was sleeping. And um, 
So I would uh, set the alarm for like 90 minutes because I knew that was the time that she usually sleeps. And within those 90 minutes, I, I had to do, it was like a dogma for myself uh, to, to do at least one uh, idea a day during her naps. And then after some weeks, I felt I had enough ideas to kind of like cherry pick the best ones. And then when we went home to Copenhagen, uh, I, I, I started to finish the album. So it was like kind of a super focused, very short process. Normally I would spend like a year or something mm -hmm. doing an album. But in this case, the inspiration just was immediate and, and uh, yeah, very kind of focused. So, so I, yeah, I just, I, I guess I've finished the album in three months or something That's all in all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think you can also hear that, that it's fragments of uh, feelings and, uh, and vibes. And I also kept it completely instrumental because of that. I wanted it to be more like a, a soundtrack that could also work in a nightclub. And I, I kind of used um, some inspiration in some of the last DJ gigs I did before the pandemic. I was in, uh, I was in Milano, uh, and I was in Paris and those gigs are like even the names the names of uh, some of the tracks on the album is named after those nightclubs in Milano and Paris wow. and um, and just like so I was drawing upon the energy from those gigs and also just from being in the yeah in nature and around very far away from that kind of vibe of being in a club so interesting because like your the album before it was more like an ambient style one and mm -hmm. the DJs in the pandemic actually released ambient music and you did exactly the opposite which I yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I am also making a new ambient album uh, which hopefully will come out next year but I, I put that aside uh, during the pandemic because For me, ambient is a very emotional thing, and this this was uh, obviously was also very emotional during the pandemic. But I felt more the need to do the opposite. Like I felt, uh, I felt the idea to do something that was more light uh, uh, or lighter and and just yeah brighter, uh, more colorful. Um, to me, the most emotional music I've ever made is the last album, the the ambient album. And, and the new one I'm working on now is also uh, extremely emotional. But I felt something kind of like an escapism thing, uh, I think, during the pandemic because of all the fear and all the, the worry. I just wanted to do something that you could actually dance to and like have fun with. And I think now that the world is opening, opening up, I also see that when I look at like Instagram, all the DJs that are now starting to play again, you can, you can kind of sense that everybody's playing this more positive, uh, warm sound. And, I, and I'm very happy about that, you know, and I, I'm playing my first gig next weekend, uh, which is a pool party for just 60 people in a, in a hotel, <laughs> uh, which is going to be, I, I am so excited to play like three hours of, yeah, disco and warm house and just like, Yeah, that's the perfect uh, beginning for me, actually, uh, going back into playing again. Yeah. 
So interesting. I can't wait to mm -hmm. see all the videos and pictures. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let's see if any pops up. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about the gig in Milano. I think right afterwards you recorded a podcast interview with um, Electronic Beats, right? Yeah. I was listening. Yes, that was actually, yeah, that was done in Milano, actually. Yeah. I was listening yes. to that one and I found it so interesting. So a recommendation for all the listeners also hop over to this one <laughs> because there you talk with Gesine a lot about um, traveling, how to travel in a more sustainable way, which mm -hmm. I found I like, of course, this is a big topic, but you're really consequent with it. Like you said, everyone has to choose its battles in the mm. environmental crisis and you chose traveling which i found very interesting as a dj mm. because it mm -hmm. of course would affect also your gigs and the money that comes mm. and after a, pandem a pandemic of course money is really needed for musicians mm. so mm. wow this is a really really huge topic and i would be interested in how you are going to handle it in the future like because what you said in that podcast interview it's you're actually only traveling by train so no flights and yeah so you basically say no to gigs in the u.s right or in asia yeah or... yeah so yeah. i've if... been i've been doing that for six years now uh basically since i became a parent sorry to interrupt you what did you no, go, ahead. Ask? go ahead go ahead okay okay so um But I think what I said and what I still mean is that you should always try to go by train whenever possible. I'm not asking anybody else to only go by train. I'm asking them to consider their, uh, their options before flying, like, for example, domestically within uh, Germany. Um, but then again, I, I've, now I've done it quite many times and I've also realized the, the potential delays of going by train, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with the infrastructure of, of European train systems. And uh, for example, I spoke to Michael Meyer last week and he had been in Poland by train on the way there. And it was a nightmare because of delays and not working uh, air conditioning and blah, blah, blah. So I completely understand that that when you, when you choose train, you also choose the possibility of huge delays. You obviously also have that when you fly sometimes, but there is work to be done. So it's not like just a completely uh, a pink dream of happiness uh, mm -hmm. that you, when you choose trains. And I, I recall, and I think I said, and at least that's what I mean, is that you should always try to, to pick a, an environmentally friendly um, way of touring if you can. And if you can't, well, then you have to offset Uh, your carbon at least and do something else and that's also my plan for the future is uh, that that if I have to go by uh, plane then I will then I will offset my carbon uh, and I have to make sure that the organization that I offset with is uh, actually doing the job and not one of those greenwashing uh, systems which unfortunately there's a lot of so I, I, I will continue not to fly, uh, for example, um, how do you say, uh, long haul um, 
that that is still my plan. Uh, I would love. To, I've I've had so many requests to go to Mexico, and uh, yeah, South America, and I've never been to Mexico actually. Uh, I've been a lot in South America, Brazil, uh, playing there, but I, I I simply cannot defend it until there is uh, enough. Uh, let's say like a local tour there for mm-hmm. a minimum of, of two or three weeks. And then I would combine it with a longer holiday to with the family, you know, to kind of, I have to justify the, the amount of carbon that would be spent. This thing about flying to Mexico, to Tulum, to play one or two shows and then fly back again two, three days later is simply not... Um, is simply not possible for me. And the people who do it, I mean, they, it's their decision. I'm not judging. Um, but I would say that it's the responsibility of, of us all to, to kind of uh, change our way of thinking when it comes to these things. And it seems I've been speaking a lot to both other DJs, uh, but also promoters, that the pandemic has actually kind of changed a lot of uh, perspective for people because there has been a sudden stop in income from DJs and from the clubs and promoters and so forth. So it's a good time to kind of like reassess, for example, let's just book local because we cannot even be sure that the international DJs can fly uh, because of the pandemic. And I think that's good. You know, that I mean, there is no point in having three international headliners uh, on any given uh, nightclub, any given weekend of the year, it's fine to have, let's say, one headliner. In my point of view, yeah. one headliner a weekend, and then you you s- sustain the local scene instead uh, with the support DJs and openers and closers, closers and so on. And that's just uh, like a win for everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, also financially and so forth, you know, um, it became, I think it came to a point before the pandemic where it was just like insane, the amount that uh, some of the, you know, RA top 20 DJs were flying around and and um, I'm not pointing fingers on it, at anybody here, but it's just like, there is some sort of, uh, there was some sort of insanity going on. And I, I don't know if it's going to go back to how it was, mm-hmm. but I hope that, the promoters uh, and the clubs will take this break as an opportunity to change those things. And I've seen like, like uh, what's uh, manpower, for example, uh, DJ from the UK has also been speaking up a lot about uh, these things. Moscow men have been speaking to uh, Bauroot in Spain. Everybody is like kind of supportive about uh, doing things differently moving forward. And uh, I think that the pandemic has done a lot of good for that yeah. um, because it's been a timeout sort of uh, to say but in October I am going to fly for the first time in I don't know how long uh, one and a half year or something or more to a gig maybe two years I have been taking like no actually a lot longer I was I had to take a flight to a, a wedding in Iceland uh, quite short before the pandemic that's the last time i've been on a plane i would have taken the boat to iceland but it was three days each way mm-hmm. and i couldn't stay that far away from or that long away from my family so but anyway I'm, i have to take a 
uh, a flight to Spain in um, in October, and I'm trying my best to see if there is a way to get a second gig somewhere in Europe, so I could so I could take the train home from Spain. Uh, but it is a lot of uh, logistics mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, yeah uh, things to to. It is a lot more work to kind of um, how do you say um, plan these. Mm-hmm. Uh, eco-friendly tours next thing is to maybe see if it's possible to go by electrical car um, mm-hmm. which is also something that I'm considering for the future to try to at least in northern Europe to, to travel by electrical car yeah so I really would love to thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability also on that topic because mm-hmm. I find it so, so good because I know there's a lot of travel shaming going out out there. And I believe if everyone's telling his or her true stories, her own stories, and mm. to just express that, of course, we all do our best, but we are mm. not superhumans. So I really, really thank you for that and for your openness because I really think that helps many people and What I would love to come back to is your train stories on your Instagram mm-hmm. channel in the highlights. Mm-hmm. I really love them and I hope that you will do them again in the future. Um, big recommendation yeah. for everyone uh, listening to this podcast. It's so beautiful seeing all those landscapes and also if you go by the ferry, how that looks mm-hmm. like. So you actually take people on a <clears throat> on your journey and show them different places they've never been to. And um, mm-hmm. what was the most beautiful train ride you ever had? Oh, that's probably uh, the trip from Zurich in Switzerland to uh, Milano in Italy, actually, because you you go by the beautiful lakes of, of uh, Switzerland and then you go into the mountains um, uh, to Italy through the Italian Alps. And it is like amazing. You see snow, you see, yeah, beautiful mountains. You see these beautiful blue lakes and a lot of forests. And it's just like a wonderful trip. And it's only five hours, which again proves the my point earlier about flying domestically. Often it doesn't make sense because you have to go to the airport, as you all know, like you have to be there Uh, at least an hour before and the journey to the airport takes time and again when you land so here you're like you're going from the the central of one city to the central of another city uh, in an amazing train with a lot of space around you and big windows and and yeah you just have this like amazing adventure right outside and so it is for me the optimal way of touring is train yeah and it will definitely definitely it will continue to be that and I, I just found out that they restarted the night trains from Sweden and, and Denmark to to Germany which has been gone for like six or eight years there hasn't been any night trains but now they're back so this again proves that the demand is rising for this and for the people want to do this and um, so I think we're going to see a lot more of these uh, yeah train journeys that cross borders around the uh, around Europe, uh, which will make it super nice. And, and also for, for, yeah, for family holidays, uh, we haven't gone on a, yeah, my daughter is two years. She hasn't been on a plane 
now it has been the pandemic as well, but we wouldn't have taken the plane anywhere. But going by train as a family makes total sense. Mm -hmm. um, and we will definitely be doing that as well. So nice. Thank you so much for your stories and insights. Sure. And uh, it sure. was nice to be on that journey with you. Is there anything <laughs> you'd like to share that I didn't ask you? I don't think so. I think we we made it pretty pretty well all around this. Um, but yeah, the yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get this new album out. It is like a, a, somehow a different album uh, than what I've normally done. It's it's it has a different sound somehow. So I'm I'm quite proud about uh, what came out of this uh, process and the creativity that I found in in the countryside, kind of unexpected. Um, but I guess that comes to a lot of musicians during this time of the pandemic that that you have managed to do some sort of uh, project that you hadn't you hadn't thought you would do and then it just came somehow yeah that's so true so yeah. it's actually the, the release is the perfect timing now that um, restrictions are getting less and less so um, mm -hmm. I see your music be played all over the planet and uh, I hope so I hope so <laughs> So thank you so much for this interview and I wish you and your family thank you. an amazing start into the holiday season. Thank you. You too. I hope you'll have a great summer. <laughs> thank you. I hope you found this interview as inspiring as I did. The new album is really fantastic. I just can recommend tuning in and also checking out his Instagram account for train travel stories. I hope you like this podcast interview. Let me know your feedback about it on social media. Really looking forward to your feedback there. Thank you so much for listening. Rock and roll and stay tuned. <laughs>